Welcome to Future Out Loud from the School for the Future of Innovation in Society at Arizona State University. I'm Heather Ross. Together with Andrew Maynard, we bring you conversations with experts on and off campus where we think out loud about our collective future. Today's episode is a rebroadcast of our 2016 holiday episode that we called Have Yourself a Cybersecure Holiday. So why are we rebroadcasting this? Because Andrew and I were talking about the last year, and we've had an incredible year of time to talk with people about the amazing work that they're doing uh, for future of science and technology. We've had time to talk with people about, um, you know, the ways that we ought to be thinking about the future. And indeed, we've actually had some time to change ourselves. We changed the name of our podcast. It used to be called Future Think, and now we're called Future Out Loud because we realized that just thinking about the future isn't enough. We have to do things. And that's some of the things that Andrew and I individually and together have been doing is making real changes and taking real steps in the world. So we decided, though, that one thing has stayed the same in the last year, and that is the threat of cyber attack. And it is more important than ever that people take real steps and take real action Uh, to protect themselves and to protect their loved ones against cybersecurity uh, threats. And we've seen in the last year ways that individual cybersecurity practices can have an impact on our nation. So we decided to rebroadcast our 2016 cybersecurity holiday episode now for 2017 with our new name of Future Out Loud, with our same old friends, Andrew Dupay and Jamie Winterton. We're delighted that we can share our best holiday cybersecurity practices with you. Before we get to the episode, as always, thank you for being with us on Future Out Loud. If you're not already subscribed to the Future Out Loud podcast, you can do that wherever you get your podcasts in places like iTunes or SoundCloud or Google Play or Stitcher. We would love to know what you think. You can tweet at us uh, at Future Out Loud or you can leave us a message on our Facebook page at Future Out Loud. One of our friends from across the aisle, across the aisle, across the pond. Uh, David Nilsson from Europe has shared information with us on Facebook, and he also shared that he took some inspiration from one of our podcast episodes to inform some of the work that he's been doing. And we are going to try to connect with him and have him on the podcast in 2018. We're really excited. Uh, So David, if you're listening and you haven't uh, gotten an email from me yet, know that it's coming. Thank you very much for joining us. And now on with Adam Dupay and Jamie Winterton for 2017. Have yourself a very cybersecure holiday. Hey, Adam. Hello, Heather. How are you doing? I'm great. So we're going to talk about Christmas, but not just Christmas, the whole holiday gifting season. Awesome. And one of the questions that we have, and we we should represent our friend Jamie, who is sick today. Yeah, and shout out a little cough <coughs> to Jamie. That's right. That's right. And kind enough to not try to infect <laughs> us with her germy germs. Um, but, you know, Jamie was saying... 
just because your Barbie can connect to the internet doesn't make it a better Barbie. Yes. And so when we're thinking about gift giving opportunities for our loved ones, um, we need to think about the cyber security risks that we really are giving in the form of internet connected holiday gifts. Yeah, exactly. And it's the technologist in me can totally see that aspect and be like, yes, my, the well, okay, maybe I'm not going to get super excited about the Barbie, but, you know, the Barbie can talk to the internet and then you can track things and maybe there's a website connected to it that shows you how much you play with the Barbie. Right. And, you know, that, that kind of stuff is very futuristic. Oh, your Barbie's talking to the internet and taking it back to toasters and refrigerators. Right. Um, and so part of that, I understand the appeal, right? It's very cool. It's very futuristic. The downs there's a lot of downsides though that I think people need to start considering and thinking about when especially when they're considering giving these things as gifts. So we're not saying I don't think we're saying that we shouldn't give these things as right. gifts because if something can talk to the internet, well let's let it talk to the internet. But let's give Let's give the gift of cybersecurity. Of knowledge. Of knowledge, yes. yes. Okay, so how can we do this to help our, our children, but also our parents? And, and we can take Jamie's parents, since she's already established <laughs> that they have a file on their desktop called definitely not passwords <laughs> dot doc, yes. X maybe, and, um, and that they don't listen to this podcast. Perfect. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I think it's that's a very important point, right? We're not we're not we don't want to fear monger and say don't don't do these things. I think what we're trying to do here is to make people aware of what are some of the things they should be thinking about mm -hmm. and understand what steps they can proactively take in order to mitigate those risks. Right. And, and Andrew, of course, also is not here. Ugh. Otherwise, we could talk to him about risk. Right. And, and what are the risks of these devices? Exactly. So when we think about, um, we'll think about Andrew and risk. We'll mm -hmm. think about Jamie and her parents. And, mm -hmm. and we can also think about, you know, I don't want to limit it just to Jamie's parents. We can also think about Andrew's mother sure. um, who has, uh, I'm going to just think, some of the similar right. cybersecurity risks and lack of knowledge, maybe, so we can give the gift of knowledge. So Exactly. So I think one of the biggest concerns, and as, as a cybersecurity you know, researcher person, I'm always thinking about threats. So mm -hmm. we think about what are, the, what are the threats, which probably Andrew would term as risks, risks right? Because sure. you know, it's all risks. Um, and so for me, one of the big things, when you have these internet-connected devices, Right, you. It's easy not to think about them, right? You right. bring them into your house. You connect it to your Wi-Fi, and, and it done. just goes. It just That's does whatever the point it's supposed of to do. It, exactly. Right? That's the magic. Right, and you know, and I understand, right? You're not. It's not like your computer where you're going to put in your banking information into right. your Hello Barbie. Mm -hmm. You are using these devices, and they're just talking to the internet. So that brings us to what is the big deal, right? What's right? What's the problem? And so. What we've seen recently is there's actually been people have taken over essentially these internet connected devices and they basically get enough of them mm -hmm. under their control that they now control a massive amount of devices around the internet and then they can do things like point all those devices at one website in order to take it off the internet. Right. That is a botnet. Yes. So and that is a botnet. 
Jamie famously, well, all, soon to be famously said, nobody except maybe Adam wants a botnet for Christmas. Yes, copyright Jamie Winterton. That's right. Yes. So yeah, and it's and and that's really one of the big, big issues here, right? Is it's mm-hmm. you get these devices and maybe they don't attack you directly, but they really affect all of us as right. kind of a, you think of like an internet community, right? And and so. It's up to us individually to take steps in order to make sure that we're securing these devices mm-hmm. so that they don't become part of a botnet. So that's our our like our social responsibility. Exactly. Um, but I think it's important too, and maybe this hits closer to home. As we know, not ev- for, not everybody has social responsibility Correct. in the front of their mind. <laughs> um, but most people have personal security mm-hmm. and particularly security of their checking account right. in the front of their mind. And I think it's important to mention that getting access to an unsecured device that is talking to your personal network, to your computer, yes. even though you don't put your banking information into Hello Barbie, mm-hmm. um, getting in through Hello Barbie can get to your banking information. That is exactly right. And actually we've seen this, if you look at the large scale corporate attacks that have happened, Mm -hmm. this is how they get in. They don't just, you know, hack directly in. They, so in the Target case, so Target had 150 million credit cards. Uh Mine was one of those that was uh, hacked. And they didn't get in through, you know, the front door. They got in through they hacked into the HVAC company, right. which had access into Target's network, so they leveraged that access into Target's network and then spread from there. Exactly. There's also been other cases of companies being hacked. I believe, well, I can't remember exactly which one, but what happened was they targeted employees. So mm-hmm. they had, they created fake Facebook accounts, friended employees of the company, mm-hmm. sent them links be like, hey, check out this cool link. And they would click on it on their work computer, Mm -hmm. get infected with some malware from visiting that site, and then the attackers would use that malware on that system. Now they're inside the network. Now they can propagate to other systems. Yeah. So it's exactly the same thing in your kind of, you think, your personal security, right? So you have this castle that you've built in your house with your, you know, Wi-Fi. And Mm -hmm. it is, it's very rare nowadays where a, especially if you have, a router in between or a Wi-Fi network in between you and the internet. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult from somebody to the outside just to attack your computer right, right. without you doing anything. Um, and so, and that's you know all kinds of technologies that we're not going to get into, but it, there's a lot of good things that have happened there. So now when you're saying, hey, let's take this device that, mm-hmm. this Hello Barbie that I don't know what this security is, it has some default password, it's talking to who knows what. Now, if somebody's able to compromise that, then now they have full unmitigated access to my laptop right. in order to try to attack my machine. Uh, this is hard. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so we're about to thrust these risks and threats onto our families mm-hmm. because we, with all loving intention, are trying to make their lives better through gifting. So, okay, so in addition to these risky gifts that we're getting ready to give Mm -hmm. our family members, it seems to me like, and you said this before, you know, we can gift them knowledge. And some of the ways that we can do this, and and what this looks like in my head, Mm -hmm. is remember the coupon book that you made in like first grade, (laughs) right? That was like, there was a page that said like, good for one, you know, (laughs) doing the dishes, good for one hug, right? 
this is what we really should be giving our family members for the holidays. So, no joke, my parents, we send out Christmas lists mm-hmm. to the family to see what everyone wants. My parents put things similar to that, like oh, we visits from our children and a back rub and right. all this stuff. Right, there is no guilt involved with that <laughs> exactly, in yes. any way. But, you know, why can't we, you know, give the cybersecurity coupon book that is like the gift mm-hmm. of two-factor authentication. Well, and I think that's that's really important, and I think it's our role as, you know, people who understand these risks and these issues mm-hmm. to teach and spread that knowledge to people that do not, right? And, right. And that's really how we can try to attack this problem, by educating as many people as we can. So I like to use this analogy and I've, with my mom is, you know, the, I, the whole give a man a fish versus right. teach a man to fish, right? Right. And so I don't try to do things for her when uh-huh. I'm there in the house with their computers, although sometimes I have to. Mm-hmm. I try to teach her why we're doing these things so that she can in the future do them herself, right? Right. And so that ties into here is I think that's the way to think about this is, mm-hmm. you know, there's a difference. Like one of my big pet peeves is computers not keeping your computer up to date with all of the security updates. Oh, now, yeah. Of course, before we get into this, it's not just upgrading from Windows 7 to Windows 8 to Windows 9 to Windows 10. Right. Right. We're talking about when your computer says, hey, I have important updates for you to install. Do you want to install them? and restart, or do you want to just continue working? Mm -hmm. And the way I like to think about this is a house, right? So these security updates are there because the company, somebody has found a vulnerability in your system. Right. And so the company went, fixed this vulnerability, tested it across many different systems, Mm -hmm. and is now offering you this fix. Uh Uh-huh. So it's like having a house with a broken window, right? Got it. Anyone can come in and out. The whole entire world knows that this vulnerability exists, there may already be exploits that you can just download from the internet that automatically take advantage of this vulnerability. And so by refusing to install these or by waiting later, Uh you're increasing your window of when you can be attacked. So I think what you're saying is that my work practices, for example, while I was writing my dissertation, Um, created essentially a warehouse of broken windows (laughs) into my computer. Right, because you're doing something important, so you just put off all of those updates, right? And really, and I know it's hard, maybe you can think about it as, hey, now it's a good time to take a five minute break. Right. Save all your stuff, install those updates, and kind of enter a zen state while it it reboots. And now you know when it's updated, hey, yeah, there may be other problems that we don't know about yet, but right now you are the most secure you can be. Got and it's it. a very small step that I think you can take. And I think that idea can be hopefully easily transmitted to other people to say, hey, yes, these are really important. And it's not, the other thing is it's not just your operating system. Mm-hmm. It's, unfortunately, it's all the other stuff that goes on there. There's Flash, that's mm-hmm. the, the Flash uh, PDF uh, and PDF readers, those are huge ways that people get into computers. They take advantage of vulnerabilities in Adobe. Oh. And so those things are very important. Also Java, making uh-huh. sure your Java is up to date. Um, those are really, I'd say, the big three. Four, if you want to extend it to the browser. Oh. If you keep ignoring Chrome when it turns orange and just trying to tell you you should restart, it's oh. because it's downloaded updates. <laughs> 
so podcast listeners know that I have like keep glancing over I was say, to Heather's my laptop. At her <laughs> I think she may just shut off the recording, turn over, <laughs> update everything. All right. So okay. So the gift of security of installing security updates and and making this part of your yes part of practice. your routine exactly. Uh, but now, what about the fishy and you can spell that in all appropriate ways you know versions of security updates like so when jamie's mom Mm -hmm. you know becomes accustomed to installing security updates and then a nefarious character pops up a what appears to be a security update like how do we how does she know that is an incredibly difficult challenge i think to be honest, what I've done is my parents know that they can text me. Uh, my dad will literally take a picture of the computer, text it to me, and say, is this okay? Should I be doing this? Um, or they'll FaceTime me and show me the computer so that I can walk them through, yes, do this, or no, definitely don't do this. So maybe that is another few pages in the coupon books of, like, yeah. FaceTime your screen. And those things are important know, because if, yeah. you're, if you're technologically savvy, you've already you know, installed operating systems for your computer. You've always, you've maybe like me when you were younger had to install antivirus to try to get rid of some malware and viruses that were on their computer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's probably going to fall on your shoulders eventually. So you might as well, you know, an um, ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Right? Yes. So the I prevention is does. never, don't, you know, install those things because those things are trying to trick you into downloading something malicious. Yeah. And it's hard. It's, it's, I, and the bad guys are smart, right? We're not dealing with just some force of nature. These are human beings who are trying to get you to trick on these, th- click on these things. And yeah. So they will use every trick in their book to get you to do this. Exactly. And they know they know that we like shiny things. Yes. Yeah. I think maybe one thing you can do is is maybe just turn on automatic updates. Oh, okay. So there are settings. You know, if you can find those settings for the various pieces of software. Don't even give them a choice. You just install the updates. Oh, and, okay. And but talk with them. You know, explain what you're doing and why it's so important. But that way, they don't have to think about it. Okay, and then it just automatically happens. Yeah. So then, if you just install automatic updates, uh, if a you know piece of malware trying to masquerade as a legit update that would come up like that wouldn't automatically install right right? exactly so that way you should think whenever you see Mm -hmm. something to do manually aha i should not be having to do why is this this thing popping up okay so okay so that's a smart a smart set of coupons for i'm we're gonna have a coupon book that is gonna be attached pdfs that people could (laughs) exactly exactly so once you listen to this episode, mm-hmm. go to our website. We'll have it in the show notes. Love and it. there will be a PDF cyber secure, gift of cybersecurity coupon book that you can print up. And that will be on, I think we're going to put it on sfis.asu.edu slash future think for podcast cool. listeners. Yes, this is going to be good. It's going to have Adam's face on it. As a podcast too. listener, I'm excited, except for about that thing that you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, maybe we should put Jamie's face on it. Yeah, she's I not love here. it. She's not here. Yeah, perfect, awesome. perfect. Okay, so auto security updates, um, and then a coupon for FaceTiming questionable updates. Okay, this is good. 
Um, I don't want to suppose that everybody has an Apple device that has FaceTime. So other Skyping, Google yep. Hangout, or heaven forbid, an in-person face-to-face visit Whoa. to check out such a thing. Whoa, and they exactly. Will love you for it, so exactly. 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 Yes. exactly. Okay. Um what about password managers? Yes. So Should... passwords are my second. So I okay. have two big the first one is definitely automatic updates because it is it's incredibly important. The second one is thinking about maybe how you use your passwords and what passwords you use on various websites mm-hmm. and then conveying that knowledge to other people in your family. Okay. So for me, the one of the key takeaways, I mean, we can talk about password managers in a second because I think that's where we should all go. Okay. But as a, at the start, you should have to think about, okay, what really is my password used for, right? Your password is used to get into websites. Yes. Right? And so, but each website you visit essentially has your password. You can think about that. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, all kinds of ways of hashing, but there's all kinds of ways that people break hashing. So we can just assume that all the websites are essentially storing your password. Right. So if you're using the same password, even if it's fairly complicated, mm-hmm. across every single website, so your Gmail, your mm-hmm. you know your email provider, your banking information, your uh, social networking sites, uh, which you would think is actually not that important, but can actually be very critical. There's been cases of people in breaking into people's Facebook accounts and then messaging and emailing grandma saying, hey, I'm trapped in this country, please wire money to this account. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, all these things, and you know, if you're using the same passwords for all those things that are important, Mm -hmm. along with the place that you buy socks from and um, any kind of random website you sign up for, Mm -hmm. all it takes is one of those websites to get hacked. Mm -hmm. And when they hack the website, they get the entire database full of all the users, their email addresses, and their passwords. And even if the passwords aren't in clear text, can't be read, they will eventually break. You can assume they'll break that password. Mm-hmm. So now you gotta think, if you think of, you know, you're relying on, for people not to get into your, your email and your banking accounts, you're relying on the fact that they can't hack any site that you put that password into. Oh. And so yeah. this is why it's so important to for me, your kind of digital identity starts with your email. Yeah, yeah. And the reason is, how many times have you, Heather, forgotten the password to a website? Oh, many times, many like a times. day, right? Yeah. So what do you do? Well, I usually guess a couple times because I might have a couple of sort yeah. of go-tos. Yeah. And usually those don't work and then what happens and so then i say click on forgot my password and it sends me an email with a link that then i put in a new password now more than half of the time when i put in a new password it says i've already used that password (laughs) which is infuriating to me (laughs) i can't win i can't win but and the key element there, right? You go to this website, mm-hmm. then you click on forgot your password. So what mm-hmm. do they do? They send you an email. Right. Right. And so now mm-hmm. if I have your email password and I have access to your email account, mm-hmm. I can get access to any website. So not only do I have access right. to all the emails you've ever sent yeah. and will send in the future if I'm still in there. Yeah. 
I have access now to every single website that you visit. So to me, your email account is really the anchor of your online identity. And this is why it's incredibly important that you have a password on your email account that is unique from the other passwords that you're using. Okay. So if you're doing that, I think you're one step ahead of the game. Okay. And uh, the other password rules kind of apply. You want something to be fairly long, Mm -hmm. complex in the sense of uppercase, lowercase letters, symbols, Mm -hmm. um, those sorts of kind of standard password uh, recommendations yeah. mm-hmm. still apply. Okay. Uh, but I think that that is one thing that you can do, and I think that's something that you can teach your, your uh, family. Okay. That that is something you can do. Now, if you want to take this all the way, the you know, if you think, okay, having, you know, a distinct password for, and I would extend that out a little bit more, right? Distinct password for your email. Mm-hmm. Distinct password for your bank banking sites. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, distinct password for your social networking accounts. Yeah. Right. But at some point, the listener is going to realize, hmm, Adam's recommending a lot of Distinct different passwords. passwords. Right. And then you get into the case that you just talked about where, okay, you go to the website and you're like, oh, was it, was it this one or this one? Yeah. And then you start typing in and then it locks you out. And then mm-hmm. you have to go to forget your passwords. So they send you an email anyways to create a new one and then they tell you you've already used it. Right. <laughs> yes. So the way around this and... You know, and before, and definitely, I think before recommending anything to your family, I think you need to be fairly confident in it. That's fair. So I think that so password managers are kind of a new, uh, relatively newish thing that have mm-hmm. been around that store all your passwords. So the idea right. is, and I use specifically LastPass. I've been a LastPass customer for two or three years now. Okay. And to be honest, it is insanely cheap. So they have a free version you can use. Okay. It's $12 a year. This is a gift-giving opportunity. Yes, $12 a year. I mean, do they have it set up for, like, gift certificates or whatever? I have no idea, but hopefully. All right, all right. (laughs) And the idea is what you do is LastPass or one of these password managers Mm -hmm. has a browser extension. So they keep track of all of your passwords for all your websites, and they have an awesome thing that you can generate a password right there. Wow. So I have distinct passwords for every single website mm-hmm. and I literally don't know what they are. Like my oh, my okay. ASU password, yeah. it is random gibberish that I do not know what you it is. You don't even know. No. Right. And when I want to get in, I use my browser or I have my mobile phone. LastPass has an awesome app that I can see oh, the password there. You can see it on yes. your phone. Yes. But it's just a browser extension so you never see it on your exactly. computer. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Yes, when so. I need to type that in. And so the key part here is you think, okay, Adam, are you really saying that we should centralize all of our passwords in one service? That on makes one me hand, nervous. Yes. And on one hand, I am telling you to do that. Um, you know, it's... So, okay, there's a couple reasons why. So first reason is, A, you create a master password, a LastPass mm-hmm. master password. Mm-hmm. So this way you only have... So I have one really hard password that is my LastPass password. Okay. And I've looked at the technology of what LastPass is doing. Uh-huh. So on their servers, they do not store your password. Okay. What they're storing is things that are encrypted with your master password. Okay. So even if somebody were to steal that database from LastPass, mm-hmm. it's all gibberish un- unless they know your password. Unless they have... Oh, Your unless, master password. Unless they... Oh, I see. Okay. 
Okay. So you can think about the passwords are all locked up mm -hmm. with the key being your master password. Okay, but now one of these password manager companies did have a security breach last year, right? Yes. And so that was all for naught. Yes, although the you know the technically the way they're storing these things, mm -hmm. they are using what we call very. I could go. I don't want to get too far down into the weeds, even though I would love to because we're trying to keep this at a high level well, security all right. thing. But, Easy is good. Uh, okay, so what they're doing is they are using what's called really slow. Like okay, that's not really called that, but they're using slow functions to encrypt this information. Okay. So one of the things you're worried about is when somebody steals that in, those encrypted passwords, now what can they do? Well, now all they have to do is guess your master password. I see. Right? And so they could just keep trying things. They could try sure. password. They try password one. They try, you know, uh -huh. they keep trying things. The trick is making that operation to check very long on the order of seconds. Got it. Okay. And now it for them so assuming your path your master password is sufficiently complicated. Mm -hmm. Now you've put a barrier between them and cracking your password that okay. is very long. I see. So, you know, that's that's what I'm putting my faith in. Okay. There. And the faith and the fact that I trust LastPass not just to have better security policies. I mean, I do trust that they are taking security seriously. It's at the core of their company mm -hmm. as opposed to random website XYZ. Right. Um, that's selling socks. I keep saying that because I buy my socks from a one website that has, I its, understand. Own, has, that has its own website. But I anyways, totally understand, um, yes. And so, you know, I trust them to do that, and I trust them to, um, they've in the past proven very honest about when they had issues. They okay. will talk about them, and they'll discuss them, so there's transparency there. And because there's this... Uh, the attackers have kind of a long window before they could mm -hmm. possibly break your passwords. Mm -hmm. That gives you plenty of time to go and change those passwords of the websites you're actually concerned about. Got it. Okay. And, and you know that you should do that. That's part of the key. You do know that you should do that because you have been given the gift of knowledge. Yes. 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 Okay. So. And I will say yes. before we continue mm -hmm. that this is not something that is impossible to teach people who are not technology literate. I have gotten my mom to use. LastPass. Wow. Uh, all right. She uses it 100% for all her sites now. All right. That's really, that. <laughs> that is high praise. So LastPass. And, you know, I'm not saying that we would turn down an offer of, you know, sponsorship from LastPass. We would love that. For example. Okay. So... That's another, I would say, two pages in the coupon book. Mm -hmm. One is the tutorial about passwords. passwords. Yep. And then another is perhaps a subscription to LastPass. Yeah, I think that would be very awesome. Okay. Um, or LastPass and or your password, yeah, password manager, manager of, of choice. choice. I mean, yes. I think because you're, you're uh, Andrew, right? You'd weigh the, you would weigh the risks. Yeah, yeah. Right? Is the benefit of having unique passwords for every single account I use, mm -hmm. is that worth it? And the reducing your mental burden of ever having to remember what your passwords are. Right. Right? That's, yeah. to me, that's such, it's such a user-friendly experience that I'm willing to accept the risks of essentially putting all my eggs in one basket. That's fair. Right? And kind of the, the I don't know if it's a security saying, I think it is, right? You can put all your eggs in one basket as long as you just watch that basket. 
Right. 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 And you're that makes very sense. careful with that basket. And so I'm paying somebody else to watch my basket for me. Okay. Because I can't do that. That <laughs> okay. Paying somebody else to watch your basket for you. All right. And then there's one more thing that mm-hmm. I think we can offer our family members. Awesome. So this will be coupon number five. All right. Is two-factor authentication. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, is it helping our family members turn on two-factor authentication? Is that what it is? So first, I think we should talk about what is two-factor okay, authentication. Okay, fair enough. So the key concept in from security is most times when you go to a website, we've been talking about passwords for a while. Right. What you're demonstrating to that site is you're trying to establish your identity, which is actually something that's is a huge rabbit hole you can get down mm-hmm. into of what is identity, right? How do I actually know you are Heather Ross? Oh, yes. Well, how how does Heather Ross know that she is Heather Ross? Yes. <laughs> exactly. Th- there are yeah. big questions right. here. Exactly. Different podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so you are going in your browser to this website and mm-hmm. they want to know who you are, right? Yeah. Are you a new customer? Are you a customer they've already talked to in the past and already have a relationship with? Mm-hmm. And so what you're doing to prove that you are that person is you give what we call something that you know. Yeah, yeah. Right, and so this something that you know is the password. So you basically, when you first talk to the site, you establish this secret code word. Think about it like people, like, like kids in a treehouse or teacher. something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you know you gave them that little secret passcode, mm-hmm. and then they go, okay, later, give that back to us, so we'll know that it's still you. Yeah. Um, so that's something that you know. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we use. There's three things. Uh, the second one is something that you, well, that you are. So this would okay. be fingerprints. Oh, sure. Right? So this is biometrics or iris scanning. Yeah, yeah. Right? So not only do you, and usually you'd want to not just use one of them, mm-hmm. but you'd want to use them in tandem. Sure. Right? So that they have to chop off your digit as well as take your eyeball out of and your head. And get extract your secret password before they mutilate you. Correct, yes. Exactly. So that would be something that you have, or something that you are. are? Uh-huh. And then the third is something that you have. Right. So in that case, the, the traditional way, I don't know, have you ever seen these little... Um, yeah, devices the, like mm-hmm. the uh, it, RSA keys it? or yeah, UV yeah. keys. We use them at the a, hospital. Yeah, so yeah. they have constantly changing values. Yes. Infuriating. <laughs> okay, great. So you're setting setting <laughs> oh, us up for success I because we're going to change Siri. Why, in, Siri, in, why did you turn on when I said infuriating? I don't know what that means. If you like, I can search the British, web for. You have a British infuriating. Siri. Siri, why, Siri, why did you turn on when no, I said that, infuriating? That's fine, Siri. Thank you. <laughs> oh, great. Okay. Um, so Siri and I get along much better now that he's a British man instead mm. of an American woman. I don't know what that says. <laughs> we will not dive into that at all. That's also for another podcast. Um, so, okay. So, you know, this something that you have. So we want to prove that you have this device, this secure device. And it could be this RSA token that is constantly mm-hmm. changing number. Mm-hmm. It could be a Google Authenticator app on your phone that does the same purpose and sure. shows a constantly changing number. So what's happening there? Well, the idea is the company, the whatever site you're trying to authenticate to and say, I am this person, you show the password and they say, oh great, prove that you have this security token. Right. Because when they created your account, they linked up this security token with something on their end mm-hmm. so that they know what that number should be at all times. Right, okay. And it's constantly randomly changing. So you type that website that into the website once, you hit enter, and now if somebody steals that, 
that number doesn't tell them what the next number is going to be. Right. What the number right. after that's going to be. Those are all unpredictable. So somebody okay. has to physically steal this device from you. Got it. And so that this is the traditional two-factor authentication that when we talk about with uh, website security. Okay. So particularly like we talked about for high value targets, mm -hmm. for me, email sure. and banking, a lot of banking, um, electronic banking is uses these two factors. Yeah. And social networking. And social networking, right? It's yeah. also very important. It's how we communicate with America, exactly. particularly if we are its leader. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Not going to touch that. I'm going to continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so when you think about why your email, I mean, we talked about why your email is so important. So mm -hmm. if you believe that, you should take as many steps as possible to secure that. Right. Right. And so by just having a password on your email account, well, now for somebody to get into your email, they need to steal your password. Mm -hmm. But that's it. There's a lot of ways that somebody can steal your right. password. Right. Right. They can install a malware on your machine, mm -hmm. which is logging all your keystrokes yep, and yep. reporting that to a central server. As we said, they could hack into the socks place and try that password on your email account. And lo and behold, it works. Oh, yeah. Right. And so mm -hmm. the idea is because this is so important, we want to add a second factor to this authentication decision. So yep. that's two factor authentication. So with, and it, to be honest, it is really easy in my mind to set up. And unlike, I think, password managers, uh -huh. It's an inconvenience, uh, just like yeah. you said with the RSA token, right? It's, yeah. It's kind of a, you know, it's a pain, mm -hmm. but that's why you don't do it for every single website. Okay. Right? That's fair. You'd only do it for those ones that you really care about. Yeah. And All right. So for me, that's my email. So my email, mm -hmm. so within the Google Gmail settings, you can turn on two-factor authentication. Yeah. So whatever smartphone operating system you have, you download an app. It's called the Google Authenticator app. Mm-hmm. They show you a really cool QR code on your computer that you just mm -hmm. point the app to, and that shared that secret starting point location with oh. both Gmail and your phone, and they will continue going on forever generating random numbers. Interesting. So I don't remember doing that when I set up two-factor authentication. I get the text message. Ah, so version. that would be another one, yeah. Okay. So another type is they will text you a number that you then, you then have in. to put in. So that's yeah. proving that you still own that phone number yeah. in some sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the other way to do it. So yeah, there's it's it's all about how you get that code. But it, it's how it's, yes, how do you endure that inconvenience? Exactly. Okay, um, all right. So for me, I like the constantly changing stuff. And so then now, and and they, they've done some things to mitigate some of these kind of user experience mm -hmm. issues. So some of the, some of what they've done is they are looking at what browser you're coming from. Uh -huh. And so if you're coming from something that they know that you've been from before, mm -hmm. they'll keep you logged in. So you can choose an option when you sign in with two-factor authentication. Right. You can say, don't bug me on this browser for 30 days. Okay. And so then you get to make that personal risk-reward trade-off of, well, it's going to be so much more useful if I don't have to check this app all the time. Yeah. Uh, versus, yeah, okay, somebody could maybe steal this, but maybe they only get 30 days of access. Right. But if somebody tries to log in now from a completely different location with a different, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. something that is not your computer, now they're going to say, okay, great, you have the password. What's the, give me the security token. Right. And they won't be able to do that. Right. So two-factor authentication yes. can help you. Exactly. And, okay, so that's five items in the coupon book. And I think we should wrap it up with six. Six um, is a good 
number. Yeah, six is a pretty good number. And I think, uh, you know, in deference to Jamie, yes. a gift certificate to a VPN. Ooh, yes. So, yeah, that's uh, also something that could be very interesting. So you can get them a very cheap, like, $4 a month, something mm-hmm. like that, so you can gift a long time. Yeah. Um, and so a VPN allows you basically to... And we should say what that and, is. So a V... So... Uh, virtual, yes. vir- virtual, virtual private, private network. network. Yes. yes, that is what the acronym stands for. And if you don't know what it already means, it probably means even less when we spell it out like that. But it's good to know what the words mean. So virtual private network. Essentially, so if you've ever had to access your corporate environment mm-hmm. while traveling, usually your company will set up VPN software mm-hmm. such that even though you are remote, right. you are virtually on their private network yes right so that's where the vpn part comes in right and so you think a lot of people think of this only as something that is a work tool right so like i have to use a vpn to get into my electronic medical record in Mm -hmm. my office good to yes good (laughs) thank goodness right um but a vpn can also you can use that as sort of a personal security tool yes so the key there is there are companies that sell vpn access Mm -hmm. and the i so Part of why people do this is more on the privacy side of security and privacy. Right. So the idea is when you visit a website, you are coming from a very specific IP address, Mm -hmm. this uh, internet protocol address. Mm -hmm. And there are massive databases that will map this IP address to a specific location. Yeah. So, and I'm sure there are websites out there that will take that will tell you what location they think you are in based on when you visit them right and so when you visit a website they know you are in Tempe Arizona when you visit that website right and so you are essentially giving out more of your information just by browsing the web than you maybe intended to exactly sure exactly you know not every site needs to know that Mm -hmm. you live in Arizona right right and so a VPN is a great way because your traffic, instead of coming directly from you, because now you are virtually a part of this other network, uh-huh. that means all your outgoing traffic is gonna come out of that network. Right. And a lot of the VPN providers will allow you to choose where do you want to essentially get out of the virtual private network into the real network. And so you can choose to be from LA or New York or Germany or sure. Ireland or other countries. And so that is a very good and easy way, and they have really good desktop clients mm-hmm. that you can just select the country and change it at will. The other great thing for VPNs mm-hmm. is going back to Jamie's analogy of being on a public Wi-Fi is like walking into yep. a bathroom barefoot, yep. which I absolutely love. It's and so I'm that so is the right that way to think of that it because it is great, and it's going to stick with me and hopefully our listeners That's forever. Right. And so technically, why is that? Well, the problem is when you're on an unencrypted Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. you know, Wi-Fi, we have to remember, is just wireless signals being transmitted through the right, air. Right, right. Right? And so when you're talking unencrypted to the Wi-Fi router, it means everybody else that's around you can hear what you're saying. That's right. And so this means when you're accessing websites, not only can people see what you're accessing, but there's a lot of really cool security hacks that people can do where they can change what you're actually receiving. 
So they can inject content into what you were getting back from making a request. Wow. So even when you are innocently trying to bid on, you know, some vintage like, you know, orange bell bottoms on <laughs> eBay, all of a sudden, not only does everybody know that you're trying to own orange bell bottoms, but they can be stealing all of your information, right? And feeding more information back into your computer. They can be injecting like cyber syphilis into your laptop. Quite possibly. So the important thing the other wrinkle that we have to get into mm -hmm. is it depends on if the website you're talking to is using HTTPS and is using secure encrypted. So uh -huh. the idea is all of your communication is on an unencrypted Wi-Fi is open. Right. But if you're talking to, let's say, Gmail mm -hmm. and you're using HTTPS, and the way to remember this is you have the green lock in the upper left right, corner right. of the URL bar. If you have that green lock, that means what people can see is they can tell that you're talking to Gmail, mm -hmm. but they have no idea what you're talking about. Got it. So okay. they know who you're talking about. So I don't know all of eBay stuff. I would hope that all of their sensitive stuff is happening under HTTP. Let's hope so. But yeah, I mean, you know, you're on Facebook and somebody clicks you, you know, Facebook is by default HTTPS. Uh-huh. But then somebody clicks you a link to a super funny skit a skit or sketch, oh, yeah. which is on an unencrypted, you know, just news site, mm -hmm. yes, then somebody else could send you cyber syphilis on your local network oh, through that, that connection. All right, so one of the ways that we can help our families avoid this peril is with VPN. Yes. So this is part of it, is virtual private network means as part of being private, your communication from you to that virtual private network is all encrypted. Got it. No matter what communication medium you're going over. It, so it doesn't matter if it's an HTTP or an HTTP, blah, 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 HTTPS. Yes. Um, you're, you're protected. Exactly. Okay. Up, well, you're protected from those around you. When it comes out of that network on the VPN, it is now unencrypted. But it's less likely that people are going to mess with and change things there mm -hmm. than in your local coffee shop. Fair enough, fair enough. So I think that with the coupon book that we have constructed today and listeners will be able to find it. Yes. Like I said, we'll put it in the show notes. Awesome. It'll be, we'll link to it from our Twitter, which we will have secured, our Facebook page, which we will have secured. <laughs> um, and uh, sfis.asu.edu slash futurethink, which is ultimately the home of our podcast information. Um, we and as well our SoundCloud, our mm -hmm. iTunes, everywhere, everywhere is going to have a link to this uh, to this coupon book, to, so that in addition to Hello Barbie and the Cyber Toaster, we can give the gift of cybersecurity yes. for the holidays. Awesome. And looking ahead to the new year, we'll have some more cybersecurity topics. Awesome. I'm to looking talk forward about. to it. All right. Thanks, Adam. Happy <laughs> Thank holidays. Thank you, Heather. Yes, <laughs> you too. For more where that came from, check out the School for the Future of Innovation and Society at sfis.asu.edu. Future Out Loud is produced with the support of the School for the Future of Innovation and Society and the Risk Innovation Lab at ASU. Mark Van Hare created our music. Esmeralda Parker is our production assistant. Our website is futureoutloud.org. Subscribe to Future Out Loud on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you get your fine